0: Welcome back to the Stratford Vibe Exchange. I'm Kareem Rushdie. We're filming in fresh and free studios inside of Nancy Campbell Academy, downtown Stratford, Ontario. Today, I have have the great honor and pleasure of welcoming my own brother, Ashraf Rushdie. How are you, Habibi?
1: Quiet, Alhamdulillah. Doing great. Nice to see you all.
0: So just a few hours ago, or maybe it was last night, you brought up that we performed in this building. Yeah. When there was a cafe called International Grounds. That's right. In the building.
1: Yeah, that was a long time ago. I can't remember exactly when. but. And
0: yeah, it would have been a long time ago. And so that means that we've been connected to Stratford and this building for quite some time. That just was a kind of a shocker to me because I thought, oh, yeah, my bro's here. It'll be cool and new. But it's like actually. We've been here. Yeah. <laughs> we've been here. Exactly. <laughs> We're doing our thing. Yeah. So last night we came and uh, you recorded the most fire verse
1: of all time. It was a great verse. It was a lot of fun. And we were laughing a lot. Yeah, man.
0: Um, When's the last time you
1: recorded in a studio Uh, that you remember? The last time I remember recording in a studio was... um, I mean, aside from the like mobile thing that you set up in my house, yeah, with the sock on the mic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> aside from that situation, um, oh man, I can't even remember. It's actually That's how long like, it's been. yeah, it's been yeah. a long time. That makes sense. <laughs> maybe then, like the... twenty years ago. Oof, I'm that old. Respect. No, no, maybe fifteen, seventeen years ago. Let's go
0: fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, a cool fit, Sixteen, seventeen, 17. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> but I teach high school, so I'm always reminded how old I am. Yeah, that's it. But then when you go hang out with people who actually are elderly, you get reminded how young you are. So it's all perspective Yeah. at the end of the day. So here on this podcast, I called it Stratford Vibe Exchange, where artists, business leaders, and such can come together on this forum and talk about how their artistry and their expertise are contributing to the community to community building and this is an area that you have some learning in some experience in yeah Uh, i mean i'm trying to humble you down because i would hype you up way too much (laughs) i'm trying to just say keep it chill but you're actually doing your phd in what was it again adult Uh,
1: adult education and community development
0: which is super exciting so um and of course we have our chat GPT section. Don't worry everyone. We'll get to the chat GPT. <laughs> I'm interested when it's to see time. What it's yeah, say. me too. And then uh I think we might have some beatboxing that might happen. You never know. Well, you, you never know um when the bros unite. Um but can you tell us a little bit about that PhD study that you're doing and and if possible relate it back to how us as artists in Stratford can apply some of that? Which we maybe we'll get to later, but yeah. What is sure. what is it a bit about what you've been? Yeah, maybe
1: I can share a little bit generally, and then yeah. and then, then, then what you're deep. saying. Yeah, so I mean, the area of my focus in even in adult education and community development is in workplace learning, and you could define that a lot of ways, but if you think about work really broadly as just activity that people are doing, then you could say that. Whether you're paid or not for whatever activity you're doing, that's kind of like work that you're doing. So if you're hmm. if you're at home with your kids, if you're out, if you're freestyling with a group, if you're uh, if you're at work where you're getting paid to do work, all of that would be considered work. This right now you could consider yeah, we're at work. You're at work, this right? Work. <laughs> so so if you think about workplace learning that way, then learning, you know, you know, it's happening everywhere. Hmm. Right. There's all there's some kind of like social um sort of embedded learning in all of our activity. So yeah. that's kind of like the in very in very general terms, like the area that I'm interested in doing a lot of research in. And I'm at the point now where I in the PhD program where I have to like propose the study that I'm gonna do. And so I have I have like a bunch of ideas in that direction. But I think that related to what you're doing here um, a lot of times these ideas of uh, of community, um, when you start to really think about community and it's sort of like hidden inside community is this thing about identity, and like who we are. Mm. So commu- anytime you try to figure something out about community development, it, you have to answer these questions about who we are. So something about identity and how you approach that. And then there's also this stuff about like this activity or practice, like so what people are actually doing is part of who they are, mm. and part of who they think they are, and part of how they are with other people. Um, and then another element that's connected that I think um, you know might be might be relevant here is this idea also of just language and like how much do we have shared language which lets us kind of operate as a community. Wow yeah wow. so there's a few like those are some central concepts that i just think are like yeah
0: no it's amazing connected. and that's not just language like you speak english and i speak english. yeah yeah you're talking about languages in language
1: like even if everybody spoke the same language people who operate in a community tend to have like terms that everybody understands in the same way right and then like uh like, like- i
0: spit hot fire <laughs> like, I you, spit, if, like I spit, like a spit hot fire. That's exactly. If you're not in that world,
1: then you wouldn't know. You say what is going what's on. What's going on, right? That and sounds dangerous. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, or like
0: you said, you, some people drop
1: bars. You raise the bar. Sometimes some people raise them. That's yeah. right. So, but if you didn't know what dropping bars means, then you, then that, it you doesn't. Don't even it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like that. So language, mm-hmm. but then uh, when you have different groups, there's like within what people do uh there's this idea of like a community of practice so maybe a bunch of artists all share a set of ideas in a certain area and Mm. they kind of they understand each other well um but then people who are engaged like you said businesses local businesses in stratford so like do business owners understand artists and the way that they're thinking about the development of their community right and so when those things don't When people can't speak to each other across even some of those like professional boundaries or identities, then Mm. they struggle to build community together if they don't have an accessible language for everyone. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting because we just had Jeff Wood, shout out
0: Jeff Wood, on the the podcast. And he was mentioning that here locally, a lot of businesses are actually doing um, marketing and ad campaigns that only represent one type of person. But for him as a media creative and, and professional, he values diversity and he feels that representation with different uh, types of people is very important. Yeah. So he said he's actually him and Selena have had to have these conversations with uh, local business leaders that it not only is it like probably a good idea to do this, but it'd be even better for business because there is is diversity in our town. But so I don't know. That seems like so that's that alley but yeah so that
1: that would have an impact of like who who lives like from the people who live in the community who feels like they actually belong here or a part of the community Mm. if the identity of the people of stratford is only one kind of person who lives in the city right which like when artists you know and whenever an artist like makes a piece and they present it like that tells people about who they are a lot Mm. of times like when we make music when we write rhymes like we're also yeah we're also saying something about who we think we are and what we think is good in the world and like some of these things that we're expressing even this podcast like who you choose to bring onto the podcast or i don't know it's probably a matter of time for you just until you have every single person that you can to come out and share you know Mm -hmm. share their share their perspective but it like uh reflects back to the community you know what's going on in the community like news stories this kind of stuff so I feel like it all is contributing to people's imagination of like who is this city for what does it look like right right
0: it seems to me that in our society generally but also here in Stratford the concept of building unity of vision is maybe recognized as important but the evidence of it actually being established is rare and in my limited experience. So what does this um, work that you're doing and experience that you've had, what insights have you gained in people coming from different areas with different values, different language, yada, yada, but being able to build a
1: unity of vision? just small questions only on this podcast they take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, we just keep it light, it's just just keep it light. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> Yeah, i just told him we were gonna beatbox yeah exactly and, and hang out and have a coffee but uh, that's it. I <laughs> no i think i mean that's a great question i think that um there's a few different things that i could draw on to share like some of what i've seen and some of what i've experienced so maybe like one thing that is, like, still following on this train from, like, the area of study and in, in, uh, in adult education, is, like, you're, you know, you're concerned with, like, people, in order to build unity of vision, let's say, like, people do need, like we are talking about before, common language. So they need some terms that let mm. them understand each other. Um, and then they also need structures that let them uh, meet in a way, like, that let them actually... Bring them in spaces like uh, physically or virtually, but actually like interact together Mm. enough to build understanding over time. Uh, And then I think there's a lot in adult education that also addresses like social movements and like how people, um, whether and how people decide to like get engaged, you know, or not with some social movement or another that might contribute to Uh, a certain perspective being brought to the fore. Uh, But I think Mm -hmm. that more, probably more practically, my experience in this area has to do with engagement with the activities of the Baha'i community. Mm. So that's like uh, around the world, like a lot of people trying to do this exact thing that you said, like building unity of vision in a community. And that really looks like... um, It looks like creating like all those things that I mentioned before from adult education, but it looks like creating context where people can actually consult together. So I think consultation as a principle and consultation, like when people hear that word, uh, sometimes they think that it just means like asking somebody for their opinion or it means Uh, like... I was going to say break that down. uh, Yeah, or it just just means like... uh, it just means like uh, that you've that you've made a little space where people came and they got a chance to share their like unhappy thoughts about whatever it is that you're doing, and then you mm-hmm. kind of carry on. Uh, I think that a lot of uh, a lot of people try to engage in development projects. A lot of people that uh, try to engage in um, a lot of efforts at municipal levels of government face mm-hmm. a lot of um, you know difficulty making that thing of consultation really. Uh, real, yeah. but I think the consultation, in the way that I've seen it, um, sort of brought up in the Bahá'í community, at least in those spaces, is like this principle where um, you sort of understand that everybody has a perspective, kind of come together in a space, and you each have a chance to share like what you think about a topic or what you think is important for the community to do at a certain time, um, but you're also not attached to your opinion. Where I think, like, mm. that part of, like, preparation in order to consult well is missing from a lot of spaces because what people feel like a lot of the time to reach, you know, a state where everybody recognizes this important uh, thing that that one group has to share or another is, like, you have to just really push for your ideas yeah, to, right. to get in. Right. And if you don't push, then they're not going to get in. and. You know justifiably and understandably, a lot of people, if they don't push, their ideas don't get in. But I think that part of that is also from the like you know just the poor nature of the spaces that we're able to create. So right. if we want to see like more authentic consultation between different groups in our local communities um or at any level, I think that part of it has to be this like preparation of the individuals who are gonna participate in that kind of conversation to right. be ready to like share their ideas and be seeking truth with others right which is not uh it's not forcing others to agree with you it's not you know any of that kind of stuff yeah i i think that that's like one thing maybe one insight is like that the baha'i community sort of has promoted that idea and i've seen that work in a lot of in a lot of contexts but that also includes a whole bunch of other associated ideas about like who do I think you are or like other human beings? Like mm-hmm. we have to have a little bit of like, you need education basically in a community for people to be able to participate in right. their community. Wow. Yeah. You said a lot of, amazing I'm sorry. Things. Yeah, I just, uh, no, it was great. The question was intense. I yeah. felt like I had to yeah, go for so it. So was
0: the answer, <laughs> <laughs> but you hit, you hit on many things. One thing was, um, what I thought of was the loudest voice in the room is the one that is heard. You know, and we experience that all the time here at the school at Nancy Campbell, where um, there are certain personalities that when they speak, people kind of go along with whatever they yeah. said. That doesn't mean that what they said reflects the majority feeling of the group. And some people only have the courage to share it after the fact. So, talking about those spaces. We have to work every single day to try and edit and change and adjust the spaces that we create. That's why we have a school assembly every single day yeah. because we know that it's not, you can't just gather people a couple times and then you'll create the right environment. Yeah. You have to be gathering as frequently as possible and constantly yeah. reflecting on what's working, what isn't working. Are people feeling comfortable? Are people sharing their voices? Are they not? You know, why did we ask the question to the school and no one answered. No one was comfortable to talk. Okay, that's on us. And that's what I had Mr. Naylor on the chat shout out, Mr. Gordon Naylor. <laughs> he um he was saying this this concept that we can't blame the youth. Yeah. That actually for sure. we are the architects of the environment. Yeah. And so it's on us if it's not working for them, we need to reflect, well, what did we do? And what are we gonna do differently? Yeah. Which is powerful, and it, it leads back to what you were saying about being detached from your own opinion. So he's being detached from his own education method. You know, he's always changing what, what the way he's doing it, and I'm inspired by that. And I'm inspired by, by what you just said, too. So I also thought of a song earlier that I'll share now. You said... Um, any kind of work is activity and i thought work 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 <laughs> work 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 work, 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 work. yeah that was a quick little moment we, <laughs> we needed to have <laughs> um and i think that we've we've reached a point in the podcast where we must turn to artificial intelligence because <laughs> it's fun <laughs> all right okay <laughs> so i told it a little bit about you like not that much okay and then I said give me 10 profound questions okay yeah and they are actually quite profound so if you thought mine were deep let's go let's go Um, can you share with us let me just move this here actually can you share with us the key principles or theories that underpin your research in adult education and community development particularly in the context of workplace learning i feel like you answered that i did yeah next i'm a
1: situated learning theory
0: okay here's a good one a little more personal what inspired you to pursue a phd in this field and what do you hope to achieve through your research whoa that's
1: pretty good yeah i uh you know a lot of my a lot of my work actually for the past like eight years maybe even a little bit longer has been with a, a program run by the Institute for Studies in Global Prosperity um, that accompanies Baha'i University students through their undergraduate studies. So it's like a four-year program. There's these kind of 10-day intensive seminars that build on each other year by year. And uh, and I've yeah, just been serving with that program for a long time, trying to figure out whatever we can do to strengthen our Ability to create sort of spaces that are really going to uplift spaces that are, that are sort of, that really open the mind that really help youth consider how they're going to use what they're learning to serve their communities, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I think I was just feeling at some point, like I was sort of running up against my own limitations and right, then right. I was like, I need some help to go a little further, <laughs> you know, wow. like grew a lot by just trying to do that work. And then I, I think that um, part, so part of my inspiration to go into a PhD program was to do that. And then I think that on the other hand, I uh, sort of realizing that overall, like there's so much research that's being done. Uh, and I don't know, like, if it's something you would closely follow, but there's a lot of also retractions of research that are going on, like people realizing that studies that have been done haven't been done very well. Or people have been like, oh, yeah, there's oh like right. all, so there's all kinds right. of stuff that's just out there. And then there's, uh, you know, and then there's these sort of deeper questions in social sciences about, about people's um, frameworks, like how they kind of think about society and people shaping the kinds of questions that they're going to ask about society and people so yeah to just get an understanding to like try and like gain more of an understanding of that i also felt like it would be helpful to learn how to do some research at a at a sort of higher level and kind of go through that process uh myself so that so part of it is really just to become better equipped for the work that i'm already like some of the work i was already doing right 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 yeah
0: that's cool, man. Yeah. So you can ask questions within questions. Like, you let's know. think about society and people. No, let's think about how people are thinking about society. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's like that. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, can you share any specific examples or case studies where workplace learning has had a transformative impact on individuals, organizations, or the wider community?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a I think there's a pretty strong recognition in sort of business communities that learning in the workplace is something that like I was saying that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you're either conscious of that or not. Mm. As a like as a business leader, as a you know, owner of a business, whatever size the business is, you're either aware that people are, are learning all the time. Or you're not. And then you're either doing things that promote that or not. And mm-hmm. I think that there's just like, yeah, there's huge seas of research. Like people have just published and published on all these kinds of examples. But maybe like where workplace learning has been transformative, I think there's, um, you know, there's a book I was reading recently where they gave this example of somebody who was in uh, Nepal. And trying to work with increasing the number of women who are participating in local politics, and okay, yeah, and um, and they're part of this sort of extended network across um, Asia, Southeast Asia, where people would try to learn together about the nature of their of their work, right? Right. So then, like part of what that story, how it unfolds, is that by these kinds of things that we were talking about the attention to the kinds of spaces that were created to bring people together and the preparation that people had when they come and the experience that they even have in that space like how much when you mm. when you come to a meeting like a lot of times when people hear the word meeting they're like they have bad feelings right away yes yeah, sounds like, like it's gonna be boring yeah. like terrible yeah when i, I say leave. meeting you're yeah. oh right, there's like yeah. dilbert comics or whatever there's like stuff that's in the yeah, background yeah, that just yeah. makes that term feel bad but it's but it doesn't have to be that way so then it's like people are really intentional about the kinds of yeah the kinds of spaces they're arranging these kinds of things then this uh so in this one example this person comes as like a representative of their team or they come with a few other people from their team they have this experience in India where they get a chance to see what somebody else is doing and then they're assisted to kind of go back and not replicate what they saw mm. but to use the things that they saw that were really helpful in their own area to, like, a really great effect. Like, so they could, you know, right. some, some of the effects that are kind of uh, measurable. And I would say, like, anything where uh, the participation of women in any field of society increases is transformative. And so you can see kind of, like, how those... 100%. Yeah, like, how those things uh impact sort of every level like in the family unit and then the sort of yeah culturally like there's all these different things so just thinking like very specifically of a workplace i know that's a kind of a distant example for stratford but uh
0: no but it's like you said they went and they learned from somewhere else and it's not exactly the same so you're not copy pasting yeah, yeah. you you're just gleaning or learning that
1: insight and then yeah
0: reflecting on how it can
1: apply how it can to your a, and reality and what sorts of things yeah. can actually apply right and anytime where people go and they they learn something even within a business mm-hmm. one department somebody goes and they learn how to do something from another department if they come yeah, back right. and they try and just copy the thing it it's very like usually leads to more problems than than it does assist people like you you know to say that somebody's learned something mm-hmm. because you have to recognize that anytime somebody's engaged in activity that's doing well there's it's not just the action that makes that work Mm. it's like the nature of the relationships that exist in the space the kind of culture that contributes to that action the kind of like shared sense that everybody has together so Mm -hmm. so you can't just go and learn like how to do a certain action and then bring it back somewhere else you have to kind of learn the set of things that are connected to that action that enable it that's powerful yeah
0: that's exciting that's some deep stuff chat gpt chat gpt let us there (laughs) no you (laughs) let us there we let each other yeah the three of us the four of us with victor (laughs) um so i think i'll ask you one more chat gpt question for fun and then let's do some beatboxing. i love it yeah okay sick uh okay let's go to the last one and it put this one at the end which is really smart looking ahead okay what are your aspirations for applying your research findings and contributing to the field that you're in? And how do you envision making a positive impact um, in your community
1: and beyond? Oh, that's also big. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Chet how much GBT. reflection
0: have you been doing about the future? Uh, are you just on the grind? No. Day-to-day, hustle, hustle, which I know you have been. Yeah, all the time. But, but there also, may be some reflection in yeah. there.
1: Yeah. I don't think, like, I think if we don't think about the future, if we don't think about our reasons for doing things, then our actions become kind of purposeless. So, for Mm. me, that thing of what is it for, I think is a really big one. And I've tried, like, you know, when you're in a PhD program, you have to apply for funding all the time. And I'm always trying to, like, express why I think it's important, but I'm always just too excited about the ideas, and so I spend more I spend more of my word count in those applications writing about how cool an idea is. And at the right. end I'm like, Oh, it could be really good this and that way. But I actually have some thoughts on it. Mm. So one of the things is like if um so part of my research, this is the part I didn't get into was like the specific thing, but part of my research is to take a model that someone's developed to like measure a little bit or create a framework that helps you gauge uh how learning flows so Mm. you know so we have uh you have a group that meets together and then you know they all go live their different lives like how do you know how much of that one conversation if it's this sort of social learning space um how much of that flows to other spaces in their lives like why would they apply something in their family or not or why would they apply something in another workplace or not like we said this one person that example i gave like they came and brought stuff and applied it. So why, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Why did they do that? So this person has developed, or these researchers have developed a model. My research is just to test the model and to see like how well it works and sort of if there are any gaps, if there's anything that could be contributed that strengthens it. But the reason I want to do that is because I think that more and more, uh, not just businesses who see the, you know, the economic benefit of knowing about learning and not just individuals who see for their own advancement, you know, uh, the more you learn, the better equipped you are to do different things in the world. Mm-hmm. But that communities, I think, need to become conscious of how they promote learning environments in the community. Wow. And so I think that in order for that to be accessible, kind of at a community level, you need, um, you need models that help us understand a little bit how learning actually works for a right. community. Right. And so, so in the long term, I think the the implications of, of having sort of better understandings of how learning actually works for us in a community will enable a lot of communities to learn their way out of problems that they face. So I think it's a pretty broad Whoa. set of applications. It's yeah. like if you're, yeah, if, if you're facing like kind of any sort of difficult condition, it's it's kind of like you have to be able to gain a sense of what you need to know like everyone needs to share a sense of what they need to know and then how they go about gaining more access to the kind of knowledge that they need Mm. so i think if you were to take a community like stratford like it would be hard to say that there's a shared sense in the community of what knowledge is missing right Right. It'd be hard to even say right. a, uh, in much of like what knowledge is present. I mean, maybe there's a lot of there's a lot of like you know small businesses and and larger businesses that have learned to weather a seasonal cycle of tourism. Mm-hmm. There's like right. you know there's a lot of actors and actresses. There's a lot you know there's just a lot going on in right. the city in that way. But uh, so there's certain things you you might be able to say, and a bunch of the other industries that are here as well. So you could say based on like how much sort of. You know, a read of maybe the the business bureau and like all these different things, like okay, well, like who's actually here. You could say something about the knowledge that's there, mm. but you might not be able to say like how much people really understand about their own population. How much do people actually know right. about who we are all right. together? Or because um, you can't know that unless you can't you've know taken that action unless you've exposed it to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Unless you've tried to do that. So I feel like. Being able to explore these kinds of models uh, provide you know like a way, I think, even for like municipal governments or you know groups networks of people who work together to think about like well, how can we make explicit what we know and what we don 't know and what we 're learning about mm. and then you know your connections to other communities become a little more purposeful because you 're right. like, oh, we really need to know about this thing, and it 's not just mm. sort of driven by um you know one or another agenda it's actually kind of like well what do we as a community you know need to right know? so i feel like that's it's in that direction you know, right, i mean it's right. not firm but it's like i think that that unlocks a lot for a lot of different i mean all institutions but for a lot of communities that it's sort of strengthens their ability to develop
0: that's huge i'm really excited for where you go with that in me your, too in your life <laughs> hey that's Thanks, uh bro. it's a really wild thing it's to me it's 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 uh revolutionary basically you know that the all the concepts that you were just sharing and if you can manage if you can find ways to um, apply that in action i think that's the the rare thing a lot of people. Are exploring concepts and theories and we were talking about this earlier yeah but when you actually put something into practice into action with intention and discipline and perseverance uh, that's when real learning happens and real change yeah and so um, and that can be true for even a small concept you know like you should love your neighbor you know okay so let's try it do I love my neighbor oh I don't even know my neighbor's name so, okay, oops, you know, that's, uh, you know, how do I love someone I don't know? You know, yeah. and maybe that's possible. You, you see what I mean? But we, when you take action towards it, let me get to know my neighbor first. Boom, boom, boom. Then you start learning. Then you start finding out it's so easy to love my neighbor. This person's amazing. Yeah. Right? And whereas before maybe you had your other thoughts. And so similar with transforming communities for them to take ownership of their own learning and and move past deep issues that are embedded maybe even through generations um that's a huge process but it can only begin with action you know yeah but it it also i think begins with concepts begins with in the mind right we need to think first (laughs) and so you're really progressing through that capacity to think like you said on these deeper levels and understand more and what's been done and what hasn't been done and yada 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 and then to take that action and you are taking action as well a lot of actions so i'm so grateful you're here bro oh, also man. just uh Love selfish it. to see you it's yeah fun. yeah
1: it's so good
0: and uh you had shared that yesterday you you did some beatboxing and then you did a spoken word out of nowhere yeah i think you should do that spoken word are you serious yeah <laughs> yeah if you're down if it's in your mind but first, uh, yeah. let's do some back and forth beatbox. All right, okay, all right. Okay, so I'll do a beat, and then you do a beat. Okay. Because people might not know, but we're brothers, so <laughs> we've known each other our entire lives. Well, actually, you've known me my entire life. Yeah, that's I've right. known you for almost your whole life. Yeah. Because you are older, to set the record straight. <laughs> some people think I'm older. Um, And I told this story on an episode, I forget which one, that... Mom pulled the plug on the, the cable TV. Oh yeah, because we were all fighting over the yeah, yeah, and then that's when the beatboxing emerged for us. And yeah, that's so, legit. so we used to just sit around and beatbox and listen to Roselle and try to do it, and 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 it was amazing. And then I also shared that um, uh, I got into rap mostly because of Arlen, he who wrote a rap, and I couldn't believe that he's just a, a regular dude, and he wrote a rap. And so I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. And then right after that was you guiding me and the raps that you wrote. And I even told a story on here. I've been talking about you a lot. Oh, my goodness. I told one story about how you you were reading, like, the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita and the Kitabi Akdas and all the holy books. And then you wrote, like, a nine-page spoken word rap thing. And I read it, and I was blown away. And then, like, a week or two later, I asked you, like, can I read that again? You're like, oh, I lost it. Do you remember (laughs) that? I do remember that. That's right. So that's like the Ash style. Yeah. And then the my style is like I'll just obsess over how how a lyric sounds more than yeah what's being said. But you you sat me down and drew those arrows. Yeah, I remember that too. And you said this is how you're writing now. There's all these different little arrows, and they were pointed in the same direction, but they were different. And you said like your 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 writing sounds cool but it's disjointed and this is what you need to become. And you drew a one big arrow and that, that did a lot for me. Like I, maybe I'm a visual learner because if you would have just said it, I would have said, yeah, whatever, but you drew it. And then I, it like, I still have that image in my head every time I go to write. So I want to thank you for that and guiding me in that writing process and also sharing it here in case other people are trying to write and having that yeah man. sort of issue that you can have that solid arrow anyways i said we'd beatbox and i started talking more that's all
1: it. right just before we go on mm-hmm. yeah, yeah visual learner funny thing doesn't exist oh
0: okay yeah. what do you Every mean?
1: everybody on the podcast who's listening who's watching can google neuromyths oh and it's actually like a thing it's like in teacher training it's all this kind of stuff but it's actually not a thing at all Okay, so like you, we're all visual learners, we're all auditory learners, we're all we all learn using our senses and whatever. But right. the idea of like some people categorically being visual learners is like, oh, wow, yeah, well, thank you for sharing the, just the, the just sharing, you know sharing the facts. We you know, got to circulate, check, check, we got to circulate the knowledge and, and then yeah, yeah, go
0: learn th- your knowledge, check but, it out. But this is how it... do, do your research, this is, but, how it begins. Uh,
1: this is what I understand.
0: <laughs> okay, so. That's wild. Like, cause I teach, I'm an educator, and yeah. I've actually never heard someone say that. I know. It's but I have not... heard people say, oh, you know, she's a visual learner and yeah, yeah, audio learner and yada, yada, yada. So, so are there different types of learners or some who lean towards a way? Or are you saying just to say that person can only learn visually
1: is. I think the way we commonly use the terms is actually just like. Um, like, they call them neuromyths for a reason, and it's not an actual thing, but it's mm. kind of like, it's just a bit of a, uh, it's almost like superstitious thinking. Okay. It's just kind of like a an lot. imagination of a thing. Like, the way that it gets used in education, by, where you start categorizing people according to certain things, is like a step away from a certain set of experiments that were actually done on, you know, like brain states, for example. But like the way that people connected the line from the brain state to a category of people who are visual or auditory or kinesthetic learners or whatever, that line breaks down. Like it's not a solid line that connects the two. Mm. So it's like there's a reality of a set of terms here that people use to define an identity. And then there's actual like how our brains work over here, which and they're not. uh, Well, those are not connected in that way that people think they are. And talk about
0: drawing a line. You just built a new pathway in my brain. <laughs> I'm serious. So thankfully it's the summer so I can reflect on this before the school year starts. Before the school year begins. And I, it's not that I was doing that too much. But you know, you do tend to sometimes put students in a little box and say, well, I think they mostly learn like that. Like this. Yeah. But, it, but then I also know another truth that it, uh, if a student is not happy um, they're not really going to learn anything Yeah. anyways. So f- focusing on, you know, who they are as a person, what they might be going through right now Yeah. and connecting with them on a personal level and building that connection, then they trust you. So even if they're sad, they, they, they may be able to share that with you or, or whatever. And we can work through that. Right. So then they're open to learn because I'm not I don't see teaching as I'm filling up that empty cup of a human. I see teaching as I need to guide that person to teach themselves. Right? They need to uncover those hidden gems within them. Right. I'm holding gems, <laughs> um, and so so that's that's powerful. So thanks for breaking that that myth on on this episode on this podcast. That's, that's amazing. Um, I love it. So <clears throat> here's a beat. Boom. <coughs>
1: All right, all right. Like copying, copying. No, me. no, Going just just, just, right. just, sharing, right. just, sharing, just sharing. All right. All right.
0: for vibe exchange <laughs> exchanging vibes exchanging vibes well i think the vibes have been exchanged Yo, Beautiful. And we could probably talk all day uh for our whole lives we've been doing it that's true <laughs> and we need to get to our daughter's play at the playmakers Yo. thing they're doing robin hood it's gonna be super cute it's so happening we right go. away and thank you for tuning in thank you to ashraf for joining me habibs thanks bro peace out That was fun man, thank you. Well <coughs> that's
1: okay, we're still friends.
0: <laughs> we're still friends.
1: You just owe me five hundred dollars.
0: So I always joke that it, uh, I think it stopped recording. Did it? No, I always joke
1: that. Oh, that's fun.